A Toronto janitor is taking out the trash when he notices an abandoned briefcase. The guys should have taken it on Friday. Why is it still here? When he gets closer, he notices a putrid smell. When he breaks the lock, he's horrified by what he finds inside. Flies, blood, and a decaying human torso. Before there was Tiger King, there was Don't F With Cats, a three-part docuseries about two internet sleuths who helped track down cat killer turned murderer Luca Magnata. But Luca was his own worst enemy. He was possibly the world's worst criminal. You can't bask in the limelight while simultaneously hiding from the police. It just doesn't work. So today, let's unpack all the facts. Who was Luca Magnata? Where did he come from? How did he go from suffocating kittens to killing and dismembering a man for internet fame? And stick around to the end to find out what Luca's life is like now. Thanks for watching True Crime Recaps. I'm Chris. In 1982, Luca Magnata was born Eric Newman in Scarborough, Ontario. His parents were still in high school when they met and had him. In fact, his mother was forced to drop out before finishing the ninth grade. According to Eric, aka Luca, his mother was a germaphobe. She'd wear rubber gloves and surgical masks around the house. She'd wash her children's hands over and over and homeschool them until the sixth or seventh grade. She was also terrified of public bathrooms. At times, his mother would lock the children out of the house. She'd allegedly leave their pet rabbits outside during the winter so they'd freeze to death. This, however, is according to Luca, who's not the most honest actor in this story. Luca went to live with his grandmother after his parents divorced. He told a psychiatrist Grandma dressed him in women's clothes, then criticized him for playing with Barbies. Come on, Grandma. Which is it? In 1994, Luca's father was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Then, Luca began hearing voices, feeling paranoid, and speaking to people who weren't there. He, too, was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia and dropped out of school. From there, 18-year-old Luca bounced between psychiatric group homes and hospitals. He was obsessed with his looks, scared stiff at the thought of getting fat. All the while, he believed the government was following him and bugging his phone. His diagnosis allowed him to live off the Canadian government's disability program. He earned some extra cash through prostitution and stripping at a Toronto nightclub. He also shot several amateur gay porn videos. But Luca was no amateur, at least not in his eyes. He used various social media accounts to boost his credibility. He created aliases, then had them talk with each other, making it seem like there was a buzz about this Eric Newman guy. Eric didn't legally change his name to Luca until August 12, 2006, in a bid to reinvent and rediscover himself? Or was he actually trying to run from the law? In 2005, Luca, still going by Eric Newman, befriended a 21-year-old disabled woman with the mental capacity of an 8th grader. He conned her into applying for credit cards, which he used to rack up $10,000 in unpaid bills. He was accused of sexually assaulting the woman and filming it, but the courts dropped those charges to focus on the fraud. He pleaded guilty and was put on 12 months probation. They noted that Luca had significant psychiatric issues and didn't always take his medication. Luca's next bid for notoriety came when he fabricated a relationship with Carla Homolka. You probably recognize Carla as the notorious Canadian serial killer who, with her husband's help, raped and murdered at least three teenagers in Ontario, including her own sister. By then, Carla was out of jail and living under strict conditions. She was, however, the most hated woman in Canada, according to Don't F With Cats. Luca threw a 
curveball, claiming the rumors that he was dating Carla were false, just made up to ruin his credibility. The story earned him an interview with the Toronto Sun. The interviewer could tell something was up with Luca. He called it one of those situations where you realize somebody is not all there. He said Luca rambled about somebody trying to kill his dog. He also bragged about being in high demand as a male escort. He was troubled and borderline delusional, according to the reporter. They had a hunch that Luca made up the Carla Homolka story so he could publicly deny it. Luca's web of lies unraveled in 2007 when he filed for bankruptcy. So much for his claims to be a high-demand male escort, a successful gay porn actor, and a thriving model. He put on this show of glitz and glamour when, in reality, he was largely unemployed, albeit for a few gigs waiting tables here and there. He had no reported income as of 2007. His assets included a 1995 Ford Explorer worth about $2,500, a $1,000 life insurance policy, some furniture, a few personal effects. Meanwhile, he was $17,000 in debt. That figure included $800 worth of parking tickets, $500 in gym fees, $200 in tolls, $1,400 in cell phone bills, and $2,500 in back rent. After a few failed auditions for reality TV, Luca decided to try his luck in America. He moved to New York in 2010, where he allegedly met Manny Lopez. Luca claims Manny was an abusive boyfriend and the reason for his downfall. He told his mother that Manny was involved with the illegal underground film industry. He'd record and sell disturbing videos. Allegedly, he was making a killing. Most people, and by most people, we mean everyone besides Luca, believed Manny is fake. There's no record of this man ever existing, and given Luca's knack for lying, the theory holds water. Manny's next video was going to break the internet. It was called One Boy, Two Kittens, starring Luca Magnata in the leading role. In the video, a masked man places two kittens in a plastic bag. Then he uses a vacuum to suck out all the air and suffocate the kittens. It makes your blood boil just hearing about it, right? The video hit YouTube and immediately angered animal rights groups. According to the documentary, the video broke rule zero of the internet. Don't F with cats. That's when the public stepped in. A Facebook group called Find the Kitten Vacuumer for Great Justice was created. About 4,000 people joined. They all had the same goal in mind. Catch this guy. Luca claimed Manny forced him to put out two more cat-killing videos. The last one, which aired in the fall of 2011, shows Luca wearing a Santa hat feeding his cat to a python. Citizen detectives poured over clues they found online to hunt Luca down. Items in the background of the videos, location markers in the images he posted of himself online, and other clues the police didn't pick up on. With their constant stream of tips, the cops closed in, but Luca managed to stay one step ahead of them. Now, he wasn't exactly keeping a low profile, he posted countless images and articles online covering everything from necrophilia to how-to articles about changing one's identity. When Sun reporter Alex West turned up at his London hotel, Luca insisted he was being framed, except he seemed to bask in the attention, getting bizarre pleasure out of the reporter's reaction. Two days later, he sent an ominous message. Next time you hear from me, it will be in a movie I am producing that will have some humans in it. Not just pussies. Once you kill and taste blood, it's impossible to stop. He signed it John Kilbride, the name of a 12-year-old murdered by Ian Brady and Myra Hindley, a.k.a. the Moores Killers. Meanwhile, back in Canada, 32-year-old Jun Lin was looking to start a new life. He was a gay man whose strict Chinese family wasn't ready to accept his sexuality. Jun wanted to be a computer
computer engineer. He was studying at Concordia University in Montreal and maintained a stable relationship. His boyfriend, Nujon, had already been married and divorced, but that was more of a show to appease his parents. Jean and his boyfriend dated from late 2010 to mid-May 2012. After the breakup, Jean took to Grindr and Craigslist searching for new love. That's when he allegedly came across a Craigslist ad for sex and bondage posted by Luca Magnata. By then, Luca was back in Canada and looking to make his next big movie, or should we say, Manny was looking to make his next big movie. This time he'd up the ante. The snuff film was titled One Lunatic, One Ice Pick. According to investigators, the facts around Jean and Luca's first meeting are murky. There are no traceable phone calls or online chats. Neither one of them had any photos of the other on their respective computers. All we know is what Luca tells us, that Jean responded to his Craigslist ad and they met near a subway station on May 24th, 2012. It was the last time anybody ever saw 33-year-old Jean alive. The last images of Jean come from CCTV cameras in and around Luca's low-rent apartment building. The two can be seen entering the building around 10.20 p.m. on May 24th. Notice the yellow t-shirt Jean is wearing? Keep that in mind. It'll come into play later. On May 26th, one lunatic, one ice pick appeared on a website called bestgore.com. The name should tell you everything you need to know. The video opens with a naked man, Jean Lin, tied to a bed frame. His throat was slit, so he's already dead. Then another man begins stabbing the body with an ice pick came out later that it was actually a screwdriver painted silver to look like an ice pick. Next, the killer cuts off Jeun's body parts and decapitates him. He slices off pieces of flesh and feeds it to a dog. He uses Jeun's detached limbs to masturbate. Then he penetrates the limbless, headless body. In the video, the new order song True Faith plays in the background. You can also see a poster from the movie Casablanca. Police didn't learn about the gruesome murder until strange packages appeared around Canadian government buildings. The country's conservative party, HQ, in Ottawa got a severed foot in a box. Workers at the Ottawa Postal Terminal intercepted a package on its way to the Liberal Party's offices. Inside, they found a severed hand. Two schools in Vancouver got the other hand and foot. Back at the apartment building, a janitor noticed a strange suitcase sitting with the rest of the garbage. He first saw the suitcase the morning after Jun went missing, but thought nothing of it. He assumed the garbage crews would come and pick it up. And they did come that day, but they didn't take the suitcase for some unknown reason. The janitor approached the luggage, which smelled terrible and was covered in flies. When he broke the lock, he discovered a decaying human torso inside. By then, Jun's friends and ex had reported him missing. Six days later, police confirmed that the foot, hand, and torso belonged to the same person. That person was most likely killed in Luca's cheap apartment building. CCTV footage confirmed that Jun walked into the building with Luca the night he went missing. Then in the early morning hours, Luca is seen taking out several trash bags. He's wearing a yellow t-shirt, the same one Jun wore only hours before. His apartment smelled of chemicals and cadavers, according to detectives. In the garbage, they found Jun's severed limbs, a dead puppy, bloody clothes, and the murder weapon. They also found Luca's ID, which made them think he was the victim. Now, that theory didn't last long. The building manager identified Luca as the man in the CCTV footage. The police had their guy, but their guy was long gone. He was 3,700 miles away in Paris. That's when the One Lunatic, One Ice Pick video came to their attention. While stomaching through it, they noticed items in the background that they had seen in the trash, like the Casablanca poster. Jun's DNA was everywhere 
everywhere. We're talking on the poster, bed, walls, floor, bathtub, fridge, and sink. They learned Luca's return flight was due back on June 1st. Homicide detectives waited at the airport, but their suspect never showed up. Instead, he was on a bus to Berlin after leaving his stuff behind in a Paris hotel room. While Interpol was hunting him, Luca boldly chatted up Frank Rupert, a 50-year-old German man on GayRomeo.com. Frank invited Luca, aka William 2323, to stay with him in Berlin, having no idea he was flirting with an international criminal. The men partied for three days, visiting bars, brothels, and hanging out with Frank's friends. On June 4th, Frank had some business to tend to. He told Luca to hang out at an internet cafe. He'd come back to pick him up later. While sitting on the subway, Frank bought a newspaper for some light reading. A few pages from the front cover, he saw an image of a man who looked exactly like his new friend. The accompanying story sent shivers down his spine. He called the police and told them where they might find Luca. Luca got to the cafe around 11.54 a.m. 90 minutes later, the place was surrounded by German police. Seven officers found Luca inside reading about himself. Luca said, you got me. As they arrested him, he thought he was like Leonardo DiCaprio in Catch Me If You Can. Instead, he was everyone's least favorite cat-killing murderer. German police agreed to extradite Luca on one condition, that a psychiatrist accompany him and homicide investigators on the long flight back to Canada. Enter Dr. Joel Watts. Dr. Watts combed through Luca's file on the flight from Canada. He learned everything he could about his history with mental illness. Luca complained about hallucinations, confusion, and paranoia. All three manifested when he finally met the unhinged killer in Germany. Luca blamed Manny for the cat's videos. Dr. Watts was familiar with the name and suspected Manny was an alter ego of sorts, given Luca's paranoid schizophrenia diagnosis. Luca remembers feeling weird the day he met Jun and his mind racing out of control. He flip-flopped between the voices telling him to kill and Manny pulling the strings. The voices or Manny kept saying, kill him, he's an agent. He said Manny Manny kept calling him, saying Jun was a government spy sent to gather intel on Luca. The voices got too loud, and Luca finally snapped. At least, that's what he told Dr. Watts on the long flight back to Canada. Luca's defense team tried to play the insanity card. He was in a psychotic state when he committed these crimes and couldn't be held accountable for his actions. But Jun's murder was too well planned. It was too premeditated to pass as a violent snap. Luca bought the plane ticket out of the country ahead of time. He planned to dismember the body and send its pieces across Canada. He knew what he was doing, and he enjoyed every second of it. Until now, police had yet to recover Junlin's head. Then, in July, they got a mysterious fax from a Toronto lawyer with a tip about a head buried in a park in Montreal. Police wouldn't elaborate on the tipster, though it's speculated that Luca is the one behind it. Though it was decayed beyond recognition, DNA proved it was Junlin's missing head. After a 12-week trial, Luca was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison. Under Canadian law, he'll be eligible for parole after 25 years when he's 57 years old. Still plenty young enough to cause more trouble if he wants to. In 2019, the hit Netflix documentary Don't F With Cats took the world by storm. In it, we learned how a group of internet sleuths played a crucial role in bringing Luca to justice. Some argue Luca would have gotten caught anyway. He was by no means a clever criminal. 
criminal. CCTV cameras captured him with his victim. He routinely put himself in the limelight in person and online. And most of all, he loved getting drunk on attention. He had a knack for lying and a history of irrational behavior. But maybe we should be thanking the real heroes, the garbage workers who ignored the smelly briefcase. So where is Luca Magnata now? As of 2023, he's in a maximum security prison in Quebec. But that hasn't stopped him from finding his Prince Charming. In 2015, he signed up for a dating website called Canadian Inmates Connect on the hunt for someone loyal, educated, and financially and emotionally stable. In 2017, he married inmate Anthony Jolin. Anthony has a long criminal resume, but his worst offense is the murder of a fellow inmate who he stabbed to death in the showers in 2023. He's not in the same prison as his husband. Anthony is doing life in a maximum security lockup in New Brunswick. Luca's life in prison sounds like a breeze. The Toronto Sun got their hands on letters he wrote to a friend. Here's a couple of quotes for you. Our doors are open 90% of the time, so for me, I feel like I'm in a university setting. I'm outside the majority of the time. I play a lot of video games. We have movie nights. We all have our own TVs. I have painting class and I exercise a lot. I practice language studies. People need to be proud of their accomplishments. Know your value and share it with everyone. Sounds pretty good. But then again, Luca can't resist the urge to stir up any kind of drama he can. In 2022, he tried taking the Canadian government to court in a bid to be transferred out of maximum security. It didn't work. Here's hoping he never gets out. And that's your recap. Thanks for hanging out with us today. If you like getting all the crime in half the time, go ahead and tap that subscribe button so you never miss a story. But don't go away. Catch up on more recaps right here, right now. Until next time. Take care.